Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public. On appointment-only basis, she offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine. Thank you, Justine. Hello? Hi, Susan. This is Ellen. Hey, Hi. Sarah Ellen. Hi, how are you tonight? I'm wonderful tonight. How about you? Wonderful. Thank you. 
Good. All right. Tonight at 9 o'clock, we're going to be listening to Pat Alva Craker. She was faced with a series of challenges that altered her life forever. And this is one of the things her husband of 22 years suddenly passed away, and they were in business together. A a lot of other things went on with her, and come back at 9 o'clock, my time, that's about an hour and a half from now, to find out about her bestseller, Catherine's Quest, One Woman's Journey to Elation. Oh, yes. And... uh, You know, there are many people who are feeling very much elated on this eve, as well as other people who are feeling very scared on this eve. The uh, big boys conjunction of Saturn and uh, Neptune has stirred things up, and it's not just that one moment of conjunction. It's going to be going on for a long time. Time. So it's the kind of way that you have to learn to live in, say, San Francisco. You don't put anything fragile and delicate on the edge of the shelf. So that when the inevitable earthquake comes, you don't have to worry about it falling off. So what's exciting you in this new year, Sarah Ellen? Oh, Wow. Well, we, every day is filled with something new for us. We moved into our new home just before Thanksgiving. So yes, we, yeah, it was, it's been amazing. It's been a journey, a long one. And, um, yes, when I saw you, you said that magic was alive and the goddess is afoot and you were more right than you could ever have imagined. Uh, so we ended up with a lot of twists and turns and in a completely different place. Um, walking the plank, so to speak, and ending up at a place that feels more like home than I could have ever imagined. Oh. So. Oh. Oh. One, one it, it just gets such a wonderful, breathless elation when that happens. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. so marvelous. Yes. Yeah, and, and so you know, it's that all... it's like people. I'm, uh, you know, science says that people believe in conspiracy theories because it makes them feel safe, which is kind of odd, right? But it makes mm. them feel safe. That there's somebody like, you know, organized and smarter than them and trying to control things. Mm. But I, I find incredible exhilaration in seeing how. Life works out when I stop doing what I'm told to do, which is to envision every last detail and go for it. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that it often happens just as you described it, right? Then the most fascinating culmination to a three-year journey that we could have ever imagined and filled with all kinds of abundance of ups and downs of life and death at the end as far as our four-legged animals were concerned they were old but they passed in December right after we got here so in the elation we also had time for true appreciation of life and the circle of that so we've welcomed new animals to the barn and 
it's just, it's been a really exciting time and also a time to be deep inside ourselves and connecting. So. Mm. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Mm. Ah, you know, we are more than halfway through January and what's coming up at the very beginning of February is the Feast of Flame. And it's not been really noticeable that the days have been getting longer since winter solstice, but they have been. But by the beginning of February, the true beginning of spring, it becomes really obvious that the days are getting longer. So start watching now and see if you can notice as the light increases and increases and see what happens with you and the plants and everything outside as we all respond to that lengthening of the day, that wonderful pattern that we get to uh, participate in every year. So I will um, ask you to uh, let the first caller through. Okay, I will do that. And our first caller tonight is calling in from the 504 area code. You are live on the line with Susan. Susan. Hi. Um, I'm so happy to be talking to you. I actually um, got my first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine last week, and I got really sick um, and was rushed to the emergency room. But I'm doing better. Uh, my well, I'm glad to hear that. You, did you did you have a allergic reaction to it? Yes. So my blood pressure dropped like within 15 minutes of me getting it, and so that caused um, a number of other issues. And so I'm not 100 percent yet, but I'm getting there. Okay. Whoa, that can be scary. Yeah, it was scary. It was scary, but I'm yeah. just grateful to be alive. <laughs> indeed, indeed, and you were because. You recognized what was going on and took prompt action. Yes, 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 I did. Yes, hooray for you. Um, yeah, so my my question is totally unrelated. I wanted to um, just kind of discuss just broadly the overall use of plants. So I live in a nice suburban neighborhood, and, of course, I love that manicured lawn. And so I was kind of thinking about, how I'm going to kind of deal with the weeds this spring. But then Uh I had a recipe that I came across that called for dandelion greens. And I actually had to go to the grocery store and buy these greens. And I was thinking, well, they're all in the spring and the summer. They're all over my, my lawn. And so that got me thinking that a lot of these weeds that I'm going through and like spraying, of course, these harmful products and digging out, they're actually food. Um, and so I was just wondering what you have to say about just lawn maintenance. Sorry, my about lawn maintenance on one end, but then also us being able to use these herbs as 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 medicine and for nourishment. One of the properties that I have has a very big lawn. Mm, over half an acre. Now, it's not a suburban neighborhood. It's a rural neighborhood across the street 
from me is a very tall hedge, and behind that hedge is a beautiful green lawn with massive sculptures on it in the sculpture garden. And um, some people have lawns and some don't, so it's not like there's some neighborhood association that's enforcing something. But what I have found is by mowing my lawn a little less often, and I hire somebody to do it. I don't do it myself. I get a lot more weeds. And I don't really have to do much of anything except just leave them alone. So there's one spot um, that's up on kind of the edge of a hill, and there's a really nice patch of self-heal that started growing there. And as you say, there's dandelion throughout the lawn. As a matter of fact, last fall, the weather was just every time the person who mows the lawn tried to come, it rained. And so the dandelions got really, really big. I must have harvested, I don't know, five or six pounds of dandelion greens from the lawn. And I harvested them pretty severely because I knew they were just going to get mowed down. So that's another way to get more from your lawn. The other thing that you can do is to make what I call little pocket gardens. And you can do it as easily as taking some newspaper and laying some newspaper on a small area, you know, like maybe two feet by three feet, really small, of the yard and putting a border around it and putting some kind of soil on top of the newspaper. The newspaper will keep the grass from growing through. And you can plant some flowers there, or you could plant some vegetables there, and it doesn't really matter what you plant because what's going to grow there is weeds. Mm. And those will also seed, and they'll increase the amount of weeds in your lawn. Okay. One thing that some people do as they get more and more into having a food lawn is that they they mow less often and less of it. The lawn that I started out with when I bought the house was two acres. And I, put a, I fenced off part of it and put the goats in there. I'm like, I don't need to mow all this. I'll be much happier just letting it grow and letting the goats graze it. Is it helpful? Yes, it's helpful. Um, I do have a question about, so if I see a weed um, and I harvest it, how do I know if it's like harmful or poisonous? Because or, um, there are lots of different types of weeds growing. There certainly are, but you know what? The plants, um, according to legend, um, want to help human beings. And toward that end, they make it pretty obvious if they're poisonous. Not true of mushrooms, but it is true of plants. A poisonous plant tastes bad. Okay. And edible plants taste good. An apple tastes good. It's edible. The apple seed tastes bitter and bad. It's poisonous. 
Now, there mm-hmm. are some plants that are bitter that we like, and poison doesn't necessarily mean it will kill you. Many people like a very bitter plant called coffee. <laughs> so we can tolerate um, some poison in our diet, and it's pretty rare that um, that you would eat a plant that would kill you. I'm not saying it's never happened, but I'm saying those plants generally don't grow around where people are. They grow out in the woods, far away from people. And, of course, the most obvious thing is you start with what you know, dandelion and plantain. And then you, ex- okay. and then you extend from there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. You certainly answered my question. Thank you. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. Okay, our next caller tonight is calling from the 360 area code. You are on the air with Susan. Hello, Susan. This is Nokihana. Hello, Nokihana. Welcome. Thank you. The last time I spoke with you was about a year ago, and um, I, uh, I'd i like to thank you for um, pointing out at the time uh, COVID was just becoming a reality here where we live. And um, you told me about um, looking at the rashes that were starting to show up, red rashes around my um, my nose and my uh, chin and forehead. You gave me something to think about, which really amounted to looking at the anger that was coming through me onto my face and that I needed to face it. It was actually exactly what you said. And um, I'd, I'd like to um, acknowledge the way of, uh, of looking at uh, conditions because um, over the last year, the work of dealing with anger has been... Um, one of the things that COVID has um, has brought to light for me um, in such an amazing way. Um, I've worked a lot with my liver, continue to um, uh, incorporate a lot of the things of the, the wise woman way and um, our nomadic life, because we do live a, a nomadic life in a, um, a little wagon that we built 12 years ago because I um, was affected by Roundup and needed to build a safe house. So there was a lot that needed to be dealt with, and you helped me with us using nourishing herbal infusions and looking at how to get angry when it's really time to get angry. So that's what I'd like to say first of all. Thank you for that. That was a year ago. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. I am so moved. Thank you. Um, you've helped us in so many ways in um, in us being um, two oldsters 
we're both in our 70s, and we've been living in a 8 by 12 wagon on wheels, much like Baba Yaga. Yes, like Baba. I was just thinking that. <laughs> we are, we are the Yaga, um, and uh, we move from place to place. Um, believing that there are ways to live gently on the earth. Um, and it's taken these 12 years to, to find people who, um, who either welcome us or are convinced that we, that we, uh, that we will do them no harm. And uh, so the, the gist of my question at this point, Susan, is... Um, Last week, my husband and I both listened to your show, and you were speaking with a healthcare professional, a woman. I think she was a nurse, and she was talking about um, COVID vaccinations and uh, how she should prepare herself. Um, and um, she talked about the, the herbs, and uh, uh, and you affirmed for her that if she was going to do the uh, vaccinations, the, the series of two, that having bone set would be good. Um, she didn't want to uh, get in the way of um, her body responding to the vaccinations. She's looking for um, a way to support her body. And right. she, um, she specifically asked if it was okay to moderate the symptoms and if moderating the symptoms would somehow nullify the vaccine. And I said I didn't think that moderating the symptoms would have an adverse effect. Okay. okay. And that she could use things like bone setter echinacea to make herself more comfortable. Now, the I, of course, have been asking around. I go out for um, physical therapy. Um on Monday and Wednesday to two different places, and they've gotten the vaccine. And okay. one of my physical therapists has had both shots, and she had zero reaction to it. And the other one said that her arm was sore um, after the first shot, and she hasn't had the second one. And a couple of other people uh, that I know that ha- have gotten their shots also um, have said um, that for them – it was um, milder than getting a regular flu shot. Okay. Okay. So it's certainly going to vary from person to person. Right. And so that's the reason that that I'm calling is um, uh, I'd like like to be able to think about – the reason for a vaccine um, in in terms of my own experience and my own uh, journey with uh, with vaccinations and last week also when you were talking with I think that same woman you mentioned that you were listening to a podcast with a an MD I believe and you chuckled because you're yeah yeah and the thing that that I honed in on was when you were chuckling about the fact that he was he was saying that 
because of that, the the, the virus um, was probably instigated uh, by the what what well maybe instigated is not the right word but in China where uh, the use of Roundup is so prevalent, and um, the breeding of pigs was also uh, part of the, the original, perhaps, scenario for for COVID developing. Um, you said something that uh, really tickled me because you said, "Well, maybe we are being given the opportunity to become immune to Roundup." Uh, I laughed at that because my original. Um, my original exposure and um, bodily breakdown began when I was exposed to a lot of Roundup at one time, um, and my system broke down. So, were you am, were you were you spraying it? Were you in the path of someone spraying it? Yes. 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 And what what Zach Bush said is um, that. Viruses are a genomic database and that they contain genes which our bodies can incorporate or not and that those genes can help us to adapt and evolve to stressors. Uh So it's not that we become immune to anything, but that we can learn to adapt. You know, when trains first came in in England, um, some women would faint because they couldn't handle the energy or the stress of this big, violent machine. Mm -hmm. Can you remember how you felt the first time you drove a car? Yes. How scary it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. Right, but it's not scary now, is it? No, it's not scary now, (laughs) most of the time. Most of the time, right? (laughs) Yes. So we, you know, we adapt very, very quickly. And where we can't adapt, what Zach Bush was saying was that the virome which is all of the viruses, give us an extra bit of information. And he reminded us that half of the genes that humans have are viral inclusions. The ability to create a placenta is because there's a viral inclusion in our DNA. Um, on a an ancestral level, since I am a Pacific Island woman, and I was in the path of that roundup when I still lived in my ancestral land, what you were saying about the the virum in Hawaiian we called ieve. Um, it's it's the equivalent of a woman's purse. Ieve is like, what do you? Where do you carry your valuables? Most of us carry it in our purse. 
the Ieve is the placenta. So the wow. yeah. yeah. The things the things that I have learned since we needed to leave my ancestral land because of the the amount of roundup that I was affected by. Uh, and, and I literally ended up having to sell the land upon which my ancestors grew us. I had to sell the because the whole neighborhood across from our, our driveway uh, was swept with Roundup, and I developed um, very quick uh, responses, mostly in my thyroid, which was how my grandmother died, and so... The gene, you know, the memory of all of that was triggered, and that's the a short version is that was in 2004. So the reason that I'm I'm asking for some clarity, considering the experience that I had with the original uh, experience with COVID and the rash that was all over my face, I know that my ancestral anger was surfacing because I have a, I have fled as many opportunities to be around Roundup since 2004 as possible. So what you're telling me and and doing with me as I as I call on my ancestors and I call on the Ieve the the purse of all of my my female relatives who are very they're always very present for me. I, I'm asking because we're we're at the age where I'm 73, and where we live, we are now in the category where we can receive the vaccination. Um, you know, you you sign up. Well, I haven't signed up because I really needed to know how to think about that, whether a vaccine. Uh, is something that my my physical body and my spiritual body is going to be able to respond to. I, I don't do hospitals very well. Uh, I, M- MCS is something that is it's morphing. I never know exactly what I can tolerate in a in a in enclosed um, clinical setting, so I don't go there. But I'm just I'm I'm here with you now thinking, is it is it something is a vaccine a necessary part of the process in evolution for for us now? Is it a necessary or is it an is it an optional approach to being an evolving uh spiritual and physical woman um, and I am not sure um, I'm just not sure and so that I'm putting out the story to invite invite some of your uh, wise woman wisdom into my Ieve, into my placenta at 73 because you know we keep growing them those placenta and yeah. uh, yeah. So true. I'm very honored to be invited there. <laughs> we so, like you. <laughs> very honored. 
you know, most vaccines introduce the virus, living or dead, um, into our bodies. And so, in a way, um, we do get that genetic data. But this virus against COVID, um, I'm sorry, the um, what we're doing with COVID is not that at all. What... Mm-hmm. What is in that shot is information about the protein that coats the COVID virus so that the immune system can attack that protein. Hmm. So what, what Zach said, and I'm not saying that I necessarily agree, but it's interesting. He said, if you do the vaccine you don't get the update. You don't get the effect? The update. If, oh. Right? Uh. If, if the virus is a genetic update, then the vaccine is not going to allow that update. Oh. And that, that may or may not be Okay, I will tell you one thing that I know, and you probably know this too, that all the thinking in the world doesn't tell me much of anything about my body. No. (laughs) You know, if you had asked me, so, Susan, you know, what do you think about blood transfusions? I would say, oh, I couldn't deal with a blood transfusion at all, but they gave me four units of blood when they operated on me, and you know what? I can't tell at all. I do not feel in any way changed. Uh-huh. And how wonderful that they did that rather than letting me bleed to death. Yeah. Yeah. So my mind didn't know that, but my body said, yeah, go right ahead, this is fine. <clears throat> because my body, let's face it, is really a lot stronger than my mind makes it out to be. Okay. I've been talking to my granddaughter about how all human beings are lazy and that what our parents want for us is for us to have life easier. And all parents have always wanted for their children to have life easier, and so life has gotten easier and easier and easier. And it's not so healthy to have it too easy. Yeah, right. So you have to, like... Build a life that has a little bit of tough in it for yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which is what you've done with your with your caravan, right? Yeah, you, you, you got it, sister. <laughs> right, right. You got to make it just. You don't have to make it gruesome or awful, but make it a little tougher for yourself than 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 your your. Oh, I want it easy, and and what your parents and grandparents want for you too, just to have it as easy as possible. You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the, at the beginning when I was training apprentices, I would have moms call me up and really cuss me out, you know, telling me that she had worked really hard to get her daughter off the farm, and here I was putting her in overalls and sending her out to the barn. <laughs> 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 you wicked woman. <laughs> By wicked, wicked, wicked ways, indeed. So, you know, there's no one size fits all. 
the people I'm talking to are people who are working in the healthcare system. They want the vaccine. They're so happy to have the vaccine. You know, they're crying tears of joy to have the vaccine. Um, but that's not all of us. Yeah. And each one of us is going to have a different sense of what that's going to be. One of the ways that I help myself is that I ask for a dream. Ah, uh, yeah. Right, and I remind myself that this is something that it doesn't really work out so well if I overthink it, but that I would like, if at all possible, please, a clear signal from my body. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I will usually get it. Yeah, that's, thank you. Yeah, the dreams have been just coming left and right and center, and uh, uh, I can I can ask, uh, put the word clear in there. That might help them because yes. they're sending me they're sending me lots of messages. Lots uh, of messages. Good. All right. <laughs> lots of messages. Um, well, this this is um, this is so helpful. And um, you can be in my Eve any time um, because, oh, God, that's what we needed to hear. Um, yeah. We appreciate uh, we appreciate your journey and that you, you, you've made yourself so accessible to, to so many of us. And um, uh, thank we love, you. We love the infusions. Yeah, we love the infusions and... Ah, uh, 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 how wonderful! Uh. It's, what, it's what makes it for us when, when, when it's really a rough time. Mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. make those infusions and mm. and uh, they sustain us until you know the next place comes up or or, or doesn't come up. But uh, yeah, you've really introduced us to such good people's medicine because when you're in a caravan, eight by twelve, you need. Yes. People's medicine. People's medicine, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, thank you so okay. much for calling and sharing so much of your story. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Susan. Great Good blessings. Night. Good night. Okay. Uh, like Are you ready for our next caller? I am. All right. Um, We have three callers with their hands raised at this time, and I'd like to remind everyone listening that if they have a question, they should press one, and then I will know that they have a question, and I can let you know. And our next caller is calling in from the 603 area code. You are now live on the air with Susan. Hello, Susan. So good to be able to talk to you again. It's always so interesting um, and helpful listening to all your previous callers and all the callers. Um, you know, I just feel like sisters with all of them that call in. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing you have going here. Thank you again. It's Rose. Yes, Rose. It's so good to hear you again. Thank you. Uh, you as well. So um, you wanted me to get back to you. Um, your recommendation of the slippery elm was extremely helpful last week, and I still have to get back to you on uh, because I about the pain in my um, 
eyes in the um because I haven't been able to see a doctor about that yet. So I'm still uh doing taking the bill you know, eating the bilberry and I actually mm-hmm. um am have taking I'm doing some um drinking some bilberry tea. Um mm. eating lots of blueberries, <laughs> eating well lots of blueberries <laughs> until I can uh, get um a proper diagnosis. So that's what I have on that. And I do have a couple of questions for you tonight. Um, number one, about um, mushrooms. Um, I've read so many times over the years that um, it's good to expose mushrooms to ultraviolet light to increase their vitamin D. So um, I was wondering uh, if that would be helpful, if the mushrooms I purchase at the store or even the ones I have dehydrated that I have gathered in the wild in the past years, if it's helpful for me to expose them to the sunlight or maybe even to the grow lights I have in the house um, where I grow a few herbs during the winter time. That's my first question, please. Yes. Most mushrooms, but especially shiitake, produce vitamin D in the presence of sunlight. Perhaps it's ultraviolet light, but what I've always heard was sunlight. Um, And it doesn't take very long. Even an hour will cause um, some protection of vitamin D. And two or three hours is not too much. Okay. But it's not like... It's not like we're going to put the mushrooms out in the sun all day long, day after day. Right. Okay. Just a, okay. A brief exposure. So you've heard it. It's good for shiitake, but not you haven't heard it about other mushrooms, doing it with other mushrooms? It's not that it's good. It's that shiitake makes a lot of vitamin D. Oh, okay. So you think it might, am I understanding you correctly, that you think it might be helpful to put other mushrooms to buy at the store? Um, expose them to some sunlight for a little while? It wouldn't hurt, is what I'm saying. I don't don't know for sure that they would produce vitamin D, but it wouldn't hurt anything. Okay. Well, all right. With so many things to do, (laughs) I really don't want to waste time doing it. I wanted to check by you to see if you've heard that it actually does help. So, uh, the other another question, um, how do you wash your fruits and vegetables? Um, I've heard of different methods of doing that and um, wondered how you do it because I'm, um, I like what you have to offer and how you do things, um, whether they're conventional produce or organic. Can you, can you share that with me and the rest yes. of us who are listening, of yes. course? I don't. Oh. Okay. That brings to mind the water issue because um, some people feel that the water we're getting through the tap is just horrible, and I tend to agree because we don't know what they're putting into it exactly at the processing plant. Um, I live in a town, and, not the but, city. And so what's, your, but, what's your choice if you don't do tap water? Well, um, someone I know actually washes um, all his produce in either 
distilled water or vinegar in water. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read online, but you, you you don't know what you read on. You know, you don't know. That's why I call you. And after I read what's online to see what you think, because you can't trust everything online. Um, some oh. people use Here, here's baking, what I think. baking soda in water. Here's what I think. Um, okay. Let, let me ask you a series of questions. Are farmers sure. generally poor or rich? Poor. Okay. Someone who is poor, if they are going to put um, something on a crop that they're growing for money, would they put something on there that could wash off? Would they put something on their crop that would wash off? Yeah. Oh, I hate it when you ask me these questions <laughs> instead of answering them. Well, we have a poor farmer. We have an expensive chemical. Are they going to choose oh, something that washes chemical. off? Oh, no. No, no. No, they wouldn't choose something that washes off, which is why I don't wash my produce. I don't think there's anything on there that will wash off. Now, I could be wrong. And, you know, I live in the country. I have access to really good stuff. I also have the 2020 list of the Dirty Dozen. So I don't buy non-organic strawberries, spinach, kale, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes, celery, or... Well, potatoes is last on the list, and I will often buy non-organic potatoes because it's very difficult to get organic potatoes. The Clean 15. I do not buy organic avocado, sweet corn, pineapple, onion, papaya, sweet peas, eggplant, asparagus, cauliflower, cantaloupe, broccoli, mushrooms, cabbage, honeydew, or kiwi because they are the Clean 15, and they have little or no pesticide residue. Mm Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm getting organic where it matters. Mm-hmm. And I'm not worrying where it doesn't matter. It's not like every crop is the same. And it's also not like Organic is a magic word. Right. I live, in the, I live in the Hudson River Valley. We grow a lot of apples here. It can be frosty for one night when the trees are blooming, and, and or it can be, like, misty when the trees are blooming. And there's just, you know, if you lose the blooms, you've lost the whole crop. So there's a lot of things that, you know, help the blooms. And um, one of the things that they spray when the trees are blooming is a fungicide because they don't want the blossoms to rot. Now, you have an organic fungicide, which is copper sulfate. And copper sulfate builds up in the soil and water and contaminates it and makes it unfit for production for food for humans after a period of decades. And that's organic. Mm Mm-hmm. Or you can have a non-organic apple in which a fungicide, which biodegrades in 24 hours, is used. Mm-hmm. So, as always, there aren't any, like, magic words. 
Mm-hmm. And again, what I say to people is each one of us is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And feel into it yourself. I don't like to watch Predators because, as I said, I don't think I'm really doing much of anything when I'm washing it. But also, it seems to me to degrade the flavor and certainly to um, cut back on how long the produce keeps. Yes, I wouldn't, uh, I haven't been, I never wash it before I, I only wash it when I, before I use it. Yeah, it, because of the keep, what it would do to the keeping quality. Yeah. I, I hear you about that. Yeah. But you don't, conventional. Is that what I hear you saying? What I'm saying is I don't use, I have a list, right? Yes. And this list tells me which produce I should buy organic. Mm -hmm. And it tells me which, what you're calling conventional produce, doesn't have chemicals on it. You're using conventional to mean covered in chemicals. Well, but it's not. Yeah, I tend to think it's maybe less less safe because maybe there is Roundup in that field or in a nearby field where su- supposedly Roundup tends to be used on on soybeans and corn. And the GMOs is another another story. GMO produce, whether I want. So want far as I know, there is no GMO produce at this point, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Foods that are available to you today that are genetically modified include alfalfa, canola. Corn, but not sweet corn. Sweet corn is not genetically modified. Cotton, papaya, pineapple, potato, salmon, soybeans, squash, and sugar beets. That's a lot. But notice not sugar cane. So again, what's the problem with GMO? What's your problem with it? Well, again, it's, it's what you you read, and that's why I'm calling you. Do, you don't. Well, I don't know you don't what you're reading. Problem with what I read is the GMO modified. is beyond safe. What I read and what I understand is that you have never eaten a bite of food that isn't genetically modified. Look on the internet for a plant called teosinte. I'm sorry. What was that? Teosinte, T-E-O-S-I-N-T-E, Teosinte. Teosinte is the original corn. It's about, it has a cob about two to three inches long with about six kernels of corn scattered on it. That's, that is wild corn. If you have eaten any corn besides that, it was genetically modified. Now, was it genetically modified quickly? In a laboratory, was it genetically modified slowly by trial and error? I don't really see that there's a big difference. 
I guess what's scary There is no they, genetically modified food in when they start, in oh, England. I'm, none. There, there has been none in England. Canola oil has been on the market, the first genetically modified food, for over 40 years in the United States. A panel of experts from every country in the world took a look at the 50 most major diseases, comparing rates between England, where there is no genetically modified food in the diet, to places like United States, Canada, and other places where there are genetically modified foods. And there was no difference in incidence in any of those diseases. Okay. I guess what scares well, again, me is I don't know animals what the problem with is. Mixing animals, uh, animal DNA into the plants to kill Excuse off Excuse me, there is no such thing as animal DNA and plant DNA. Get a grip. No, no, no. There's this DNA. is what I read. That's it. There's no DNA. You share 99% of your DNA with yeast. DNA doesn't belong to one of us. It's shared by all of us. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Are there plants that don't freeze? No. No? Every that's single plant dies when it gets cold? No, 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 that's not true. Are there plants that don't freeze? Yes. Yes, there are plants that don't freeze. Yes. There's a woman that I met who is very concerned about what's happening with small tomato farmers. Small tomato farmers, as you probably know if you've ever grown tomatoes, can be wiped out by one night of frost. Yes. That's all it takes to destroy their entire livelihood for the year. So she thought, there are plants that don't freeze. Maybe I can make a tomato that doesn't freeze. Mm -hmm. And she tried for 10 years to get the don't freeze gene from a plant that doesn't freeze. And she told me it was like doing plumbing blindfolded with your left hand in a glove. And I met her in New Zealand because she'd given up. And in New Zealand, someone said to her, why don't you go to Antarctica and look at the fish? She said, why would, why would I want to look at fish in Antarctica? They said, because they swim in water that's below freezing. And she said, what? How could that be? Well, it's salt water. So that's how it's below freezing. And she went and she looked at the fish. And what she found was that the, millions and millions and millions of years ago, that fish managed to get the don't freeze gene from a plant and incorporate it into its DNA because it's all one DNA. And because it only happened millions and millions and millions of years ago, it was right in a place where she could easily get it. So now would you tell me again that she took a fish gene and put it in a plant? No, you can't say that. What you can say is that she took a plant gene that was in the fish and put it in a plant. <laughs> yeah. If I made an altar with nails from an outhouse, would that be a sin? I'm sorry, I didn't hear your question. If I made an altar with nails from an outhouse, would that be a sin? No. DNA is nails. It doesn't belong to the altar or the outhouse. Thank 
Very interesting. And again, think about what is being offered here. This woman has spent her life trying to help others in a way that she knows how. Mm-hmm. And you're going to condemn her? Mm-hmm. No, I hear you. Again and again and again, we keep coming back to the fact that I actually trust that human beings want to help you. That we, at heart, are kind. We might be clumsy. We might be foolish. We might be stupid. But human beings want to be kind and to help each other. Most. <laughs> Not all. Some are very well, greedy. Does it have to be all for you to uh, for you to think that that's the way it's going to be? Does it have to be a hundred percent? It's not good enough for you. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to take ninety nine point nine percent and say, yeah. There are malevolent people there, but you know what I hear is that there's no way to protect yourself against them and you'll never see them coming. Is that what you've heard? I understand what you're saying, Susan. I'm not not going to waste my time protecting myself against that one-tenth of one percent. If life brings it to me, then life has brought it to me. And I will deal with it. Mm-hmm. But shutting myself up and being afraid will not protect me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't have the fear. I was just trying to figure out because I am sensitive to things. And, of course, the other thing that I, that is tied in with this is the water, like I started to tell you, that's piped into the house, all the all the chlorine and the fluoride and whatever else is in there, I was trying to... Have you looked at Consumer Reports' um, uh, report on tap water? Is this what you're talking about? On tap water? Yeah, Consumer Reports has a good report on tap water. I suggest you look at it. They found that tap water has far less contaminants than any bottled water they found. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't compare it to any bottled water, no. No, yeah. not at no, not and I at all. I certainly would never drink distilled water. As far as I'm concerned, that's like you know the way to destroy your body. Oh yeah, yeah. No, um, so, he was talking. So talk for most, about using for most people to in the United States, tap water is the best choice for the environment and for themselves. Mhm. Mhm. Well, you certainly answered that question very well and thoroughly. Okay. Thank, thank, thank you so much for um, your opinion, you Susan. You are welcome. Be well. Green blessings. Be well. Continue. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. Okay. All right. Yep. And we have three callers with their hands raised. And the next caller is called 207 area code. Hello? 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 Hi. Hi, Susan. How are, you, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And you? 
Uh, excellent. My name's Miles. Um, I just Miles. have a quick question. <laughs> okay. Um, I got. Uh, I, I came upon uh, having some uh, severe heartburn uh, last week, and it's lasted kind of several days. And I'm just. Oh, ouch! Wonder. Yeah, yeah. Not something I've ever dealt with really before, at least like prolonged like this. Um, and huh. I'm just curious. It's very what unusual you... that it should go on. What kind of remedies have you tried? Have you tried things like Tums? Yeah, I had Tums, Pepto, um, and it's kind of mild relief. Um, it's kind of, it just keeps flaring up. The only thing I can think of is that um, I kind of uh, uh, binged on a little bit of this hot sauce that a friend of mine made. So I'm wondering if I if I did some damage there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, but you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, pepper's a poison and has no place yeah. in the human diet. It's an inflammatory agent and anybody mm-hmm. who wants to be healthy doesn't want to inflame themselves and duh, it burns your esophagus and yeah, your tongue. Esophagus. I mean, my brother eats hot sauce on everything, and it's hot sauce that he makes because he can't buy any hot sauce hot enough for him to taste anymore. Well, see, this is the bizarre thing is that I didn't really think it was that hot, you know, and I've had hot things in the past, so, but, you know. Yeah. So, Slippery Elm is going to heal that. Hmm? What did you and say? I'm sorry. the easiest way to get Slippery Elm is just Go to the health food store and ask for Sayers uh, Slippery yeah. Elm lozenges. You can oh, I also, have a bunch of the powder here. So. Yeah, if you have the powder, you can mix that with honey. And oh, you can okay. go on YouTube and you can see my yep. granddaughter mixing Slippery Elm with honey and making balls. And then you stick yep. it in your cheek and you suck on it. Have you tried that? No, no I haven't, but my wife actually has some up in the cupboard, so I will I will do that. All right. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you were listening, but a previous caller said, wow, that Slippery Elm, you know, totally, totally worked. So we already had one person tonight who's hooray Slippery Elm, and um, I certainly find it to be always, always willing to help us. Yeah. If it All right. Does, well, I'll try If it then. doesn't help, will you promise to call yeah. back next Next, Next week? Next week, if it doesn't help, we should do that. If it doesn't help, all right, yeah, if it doesn't yeah, help. I'll, I'll call. Okay, I'll call back next week if slippery elm doesn't work. If it doesn't right. work, well, thank. You're well, thank welcome, you so Miles. Much for thank your time, you. I really appreciate it. You take care. Okay. All right. Bye. All right, we have about thirty minutes until our guest arrives, and we have three callers in the queue. The next caller is calling in from the 973 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hello. This is Dorothy. Um, I have a problem with my left leg. The circulation is poor. I know I should exercise, but what else can I do to improve, improve the circulation? Well, when you say exercise... Perhaps you are thinking of a more limited set of things than I am thinking of. You said it was your left leg? Yes, yes. And is it in the upper part or the lower part? The lower part. The lower part. Can you sit in a chair? 
Oh, yeah. Can you cross your left leg over your right leg? Yes. Can you jiggle it like you were kicking a balloon? Mm, sure. That's yeah. exercise. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Could you do that for five minutes? Sure, I can. But mm-hmm. Could you do it for five minutes three times a day? Of course. All right, there you go. There's exercise. I was told you should not cross my legs. I'm cutting off the circulation. No, but don't sit for long times with your legs crossed. But you're not cutting off the circulation if you're kicking, are you? No, no. Huh. So it's an exercise in which your legs are crossed, but you're not sitting with your legs crossed. Right, right. In the That's same true. way that you wouldn't want to, like, live with your eyes crossed, but I... I have seen eye exercises in which you willfully cross your eyes to stretch the muscles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think. <laughs> so look for things like that. You know, when that when I, I when they wouldn't let me get up hardly, um, and they would say, "Well, you have to take these blood thinners because otherwise you're going to get blood clots because you're just laying there in bed." And I would say, "But I'm not just laying here in bed, uh-huh. right?" I, when I was laying in bed, I would um, flex my feet back and forth. Can you do that? Yes, I do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, again, just flexing your foot once or twice isn't going to do it, but if you actually sit there for, you know, and time it two or three minutes and flex your foot back and forth, can you feel how many muscles? That moves muscles all the way up to your hip, doesn't it? Sure, sure. That's right? true. It counts. This counts as exercise if you do it like exercise. You just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, wiggle your foot, you know, for two seconds. It doesn't count, but you really do okay. it. It counts. Okay. There are lots yeah. of yoga poses that can be done lying down. Uh-huh. That counts as exercise. Okay. You can, if your back can take it, lie on your stomach and put your feet up and grab your ankles with your hands and come up into a bow. Mm-hmm. This really, hard ex- <laughs> it's hard yeah. to do, but it expands the front of the body and increases yeah. circulation to the legs. Great. Okay. Right. We had a pregnant apprentice. And so we modified that because she couldn't lay on her belly and we do it. We did it with her by lying on our side and stretching one leg at a time. Right? Uh-huh. And that same bow pose, but not laying on your belly because it's hard to do that way. So yeah. you can do it like on your side. The whole point of yoga and exercise and physical culture is not to distort yourself to fit the exercise or the yoga, but to. Let the exercise of the yoga be something that you can do. Yes, I see that. Mm-hmm. And then you can increase that. When I got out of the hospital and I went to the first yoga class, I slept through it. Oh, dear. I lay down and I fell asleep. And I woke up when they were saying, Om. But that's okay. That's what I, that's what my body could do at that yoga class. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh-huh. Right? And it counts because I heard that. And I was in the room with all of the, the you know, 
that going on. So one of my teachers, Bob Masters, the husband of my mentor, Gene Houston, found that if you sat next to somebody who'd had a stroke and talked to them about moving, you are moving your fingers. You are picking up your middle finger. You are picking up your little finger. You are making a fist. You are stretching your fingers out. That if they did that, they regained the use of the stroke-impaired part very much faster because when they thought that and heard those words, the brains fired those neurons. Oh, my goodness. That's wonderful. So at the very, very least, I say to people, you can't exercise, then read about exercise. Yes. Watch people doing yoga. Watch people doing Tai Chi. Put it on your computer. Read about it. Look at it. If you can't do it, get into the field of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's good. Yeah. Very good. Wonderful. And then, and then go from there. Yeah. I said to my daughter, I said, you know, there are moments during the day when I'm starting to feel almost normal. I'm going to build on this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Isn't it? That's I where we start. Doing... We start with the moment and we build on that, right? Yes. I never thought of doing anything longer. I, I do move my feet. Of but course you do. To do it for two or three minutes would be better. Yes. That's right. Of course. Thank yes. you. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome. Great blessings. Thanks for your call. Thank you. All right. And our next caller tonight is calling in from the 347 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hi. Hi. How are you? Enjoying Hi, um, all the wonderful callers tonight. How are you? I'm done. Um, I have a question about the alcohols that's used in making tincture. Okay. Um, I visited uh, several liquor stores in my neighborhood. I live in the city, and there are two brands of 100% vodka that are offered. Not 100%, the... it's 100 proof. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100 proof. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, I, I realize either of these brands of vodka is made of um, potatoes, as I thought. Wine's made of corn, and the other one on their website, it says it's made out of wheat, or not wheat, but um, grain, but they didn't specifically say which type of grain. So, and it's so okay. Let me, ask you this. let me ask you this. How yes. is that alcohol made? Distilled, I fermented and distilled, I imagine. Distilled from what? Um, the You're talking about it's made from grain. What does that mean to you that it's made from grain? Um, that the alcohol was um, extracted from them somehow. There's no alcohol in grain now, is there? No. So you can't extract alcohol from grain or potatoes. Alcohol is made by fermentation. Mm-hmm. In the presence of sugar, saccharomyces yeast 
eats and farts. And it farts alcohol. So it really does not matter what the yeast eats because it's going to fart alcohol. Okay, so so long. Alcohol is used as a sterilizing agent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So there's nothing left of what it's made from. It's just yeast farts. Okay. Yeah, got it. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't hassle yourself about what it's made from. Mm-hmm. Because what's made from is sugar. Yeah. And yeah, grains I are loaded with sugar. And potatoes yeah, are loaded with sugar. And the yeast because... wants sugar. Simple as yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And when you make beer, when you really want the yeast to work really hard, you sprout the grain so that it's even sweeter, right? Yeah. And then you roast okay. it a little bit, which is called malting. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Um, I there have a, can, there I have can another... be traces of grain in the beer because it's a very fast process. Yeah. But in the alcohol, there's not. Mm-hmm. Now, you can turn around and you can take that alcohol and you can age it in things which will flavor it. Okay. It's not, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's not that different. I'm mm-hmm. sure that if you or I had the taste buds of my friend, who's a wine connoisseur, you know, he can taste a wine. He cannot just tell you, this is a white wine or a red wine. He can tell you, you know, like what kind of wine it is. Or this, you know, he can tell you what country it came from, and he can usually tell you what vineyard it came from. Wow. But that's because it's not pure alcohol. It's wine. Mm-hmm. And, the grapes are, and the grapes are still in there, right? Yeah. And I know that there are people who say, oh, yeah, well, I can taste the difference in the vodka, and I'm sure they can. But they probably couldn't taste the difference after you put motherwort in it. And Mm -hmm. after all, that's what you're doing with it, right? Yeah, yeah, plants, yeah. You're you're using it as a menstruum. You're using it to make a plant tincture. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Fortunately, you know, we live in a country where you can go and you can buy alcohol and you can be sure that it's safe. Mm-hmm. It's, not been, it's not been distilled, you know, and somebody's still in the backyard and might poison you. Because remember, during Prohibition, when people did that, people did die. Because mm-hmm. there can be poisons in there. But that we don't have to worry about at this point. Yeah, okay. Okay? Um <laughs> Yeah. Not on our screen. Either brand is fine. Okay. Um, my my other brand. question, yeah. My other question is like related to this one. Uh, my friends would go to this place in Hudson Valley and get this distilled alcohol that's ninety percent, and it's pretty like much too cheaper. Rough, and it's, too rough, too harsh. That's poisonous. Yeah. I know. I wonder if I could dilute the same thing with water and use that as a menstruum, or yeah, is that you not have a dilute poison instead of a strong poison. Oh, okay. 
so I should just get the 100 The process by which it gets to be 90% introduces poisons. Mm-hmm. In okay. many places, it's illegal to sell that. When I first started making tinctures in New York State, it was illegal to sell alcohol that was 90% or higher because it was considered lethal. Mm-hmm. So diluting that wouldn't make a difference? It makes it less lethal, sure, but it doesn't make it safe. Right. Okay. That's good to know because I was trying to experiment, but it's good that I asked you. So <laughs> I know now. What I see and what you can try and see if you get the same results is if you take a fresh plant and mm-hmm. you pour 100 proof vodka over it and tincture it, and you take the same fresh plant and pour your 90% alcohol, which is 180 proof, over it and tincture it, the vodka tincture has a smell and a taste that is very reminiscent of the fresh plant. And the fresh mm-hmm. plant material should you want to eat it, would be edible. It is soft and mm. tender. With the yeah. 180 proof, the tincture has a harsh quality to it, almost like it has teeth, and the plant material becomes as though it went through a fire. Mm-hmm. And so okay. I see... A very different thing happening. As a matter of fact, somebody who had been taking a plant made in grain alcohol and taking the commercial tincture was visiting and took some of the tincture that I had with mm-hmm. made with hundred proof vodka and came to me and said that it, it was hard to believe that it was even the same plant. And then mm-hmm. she would have thought the one with 100 proof vodka would have been less effective because it had, you know, less amount of alcohol in it, but that she found it amazingly more effective. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, I agree. That's been my experience, I, yeah. too. And that's why I encourage people not to use high proof alcohol, but to use 100 proof. It's, it, it's, okay. Yeah, it's 50% alcohol, 50% water, but it's not the same as taking high-proof alcohol and diluting it down. Okay, okay, that's good to know. Yeah, at least in my... All right? Yeah, thank you so much. That was my question. Have a good night. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, at this time we have one final caller with their hand raised. Uh, and that caller is calling from the 570 area code. You are now live on the air with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, it's Samantha. I, um, I'm calling tonight. Um, I never thought I'd ask anyone this question. But the truth is, is that... Um, when when the day comes to a certain when when nighttime comes 
and a certain amount of darkness finally settles over. Um, I honestly feel physical, like I can physically feel like, or maybe it's chemically, um, like a shift happen in my, in my being, in my body. <laughs> and, um, it's just noticeable. It's just so interesting how noticeable it is. And, um, it, it leads, I, it's also probably just affiliated with my sleep. I don't have a good relationship with sleep. I'm like prone to paralysis and nightmares. Um, so I, I, I basically, if I had to put it into words, I just need to like heal my relationship with the nighttime <laughs> or it was a deep and nourishing dark. What? I'm sorry. What did you say? To heal your relationship with the deep and nourishing dark. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. Very important. Very, very important for all of us as South American shamans said, what will end the world is when the white people have eliminated dark. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, wow, what a statement. When we have eliminated dark, we will have ended the world. We live in a culture in which good mm-hmm. wears white mm-hmm. and high is bright and light, and we want to be light beings and we want to surround ourselves with white light. And just to start with, this is incredibly racist. Black is bad and white is good. Uh Uh-oh, we are already off on the wrong foot. Many, many years ago, I had a vision. Above my head were two beautiful hands holding a white globe. And they began to move toward me very slowly in the globe. The globe, of course, seemed to grow bigger and bigger until eventually it totally enveloped my head. And then it disappeared. And then I saw a different pair of hands holding a black globe. And the same thing happened. The globe got bigger and bigger as it got closer and closer to me. And as it began to go over my head, my conditioning caused me to shrink back from it, to flinch away from it. And a very soft voice said, you failed. (sighs) And the vision disappeared. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I... I had to look at that. I had to look at that conditioning in myself and look at what what I had been trained to believe and to 
give myself permission to cherish the deep and nourishing dark as a woman because that's part of it, isn't it? Man is mm-hmm. the one who's white and high mm-hmm. and bright. And woman is the one who's dark and low and dirty. <laughs> so when we actively cherish the deep and nourishing dark, mm-hmm. we cherish ourselves. So in a very symbolic way, you're saying, I don't have a very good relationship with myself as a woman. Right. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. I probably would call myself more of a man-hater than a... We're not talking about hating. We're talking about how you feel Mm -hmm. about yourself as a woman in a Mm -hmm. culture which tells you you are responsible for all evil in the world. Mm -hmm. And don't think it hasn't touched you. Right. We can say we don't believe it, but it takes active efforts of will to change that pattern that we have been imprinted with when we were very, very young. Yeah. And when we understand that it is not true that black is bad and white is good, it's a belief, then we can change it. Yeah. And, of course, one of the best ways to work with fear is to recognize that fear and desire are companions. Okay. So we say to ourselves, I'm afraid of the dark because. Mm -hmm. And what would follow because? Um, because, because I feel like the whole world is unsettled by it. Because you feel like the whole world is what? Unsettled by it. I feel like it's... You are it's afraid big, of the dark because thing. it unsettles you. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true? You um, are unsettled by the dark? Yes. So then what we want to do is to claim it. I want to be unsettled. Yeah. I invite the dark to unsettle me. Mm-hmm. It's what I was talking about earlier, right? Of course we want to be comfortable and to have it easy. But yeah. That's not really being alive. We need to be unsettled now and then. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know, but the apprentice house is about a two or three minute walk from the main house, and they are not allowed to use flashlights. Mm-hmm. I don't either. And uh, where I'm, the house that I'm recuperating in is about a five-minute walk away. And so I walk there in the dark, and sometimes I'm a little uneasy, and I say, well, what are you uneasy about? And I think, well, maybe I'm going to step in a puddle and get my feet wet. Mm-hmm. And I say, would that be okay, Susan? Could you step in a puddle and get your feet around? I say, yeah, I could. So I really identify what, you know, what is it? Hmm, it's very mm-hmm. dark. I was out camping with 
a couple of friends, and they had an argument, and she stalked off. And you could hear her crunch, crunch, crunching through the forest, right? And then mm-hmm. suddenly you heard pitter, patter, pitter, patter, pitter, patter, pitter, patter, and she came running back. I said, oh, you're back. She said, I heard a bear. <laughs> and it was very interesting how much better she could get herself through the woods when she was frightened by the bear than she could when she was stomping off in anger. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you for being afraid, but use your fear. Don't let it use you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome it. I'm uncomfortable in the dark because <gasps> yeah. there might be a boogeyman. Ooh, I wonder what the boogeyman would be bringing. Hmm. Because there I might be like... a monster. Because there might be a monster under the bed, really? What would that monster be like? Mm -hmm. And read about the deep and nourishing dark. Read about, read whatever you can find about. You could start with the Black Madonna. Okay. And start to get, um, maybe make an altar to the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when the weather is warmer, sit outside and let it get dark around you. Mhm. So that you're you were sitting there through the transition from light to dark. that on the savannah we need to keep fires going because there are jackals and hyenas and lions that will carry our children away and they tend Mm -hmm. to be nighttime predators it wasn't the dark we were afraid of we didn't make a fire to keep away the dark we made a fire to keep away the predators yeah I'm not sure if any of this is helpful to you, but it, it might give you a few starting points. Yes, I, I, um, yeah, I see it's 9 o'clock. I, I did want to ask you about California poppies. I, oh, California poppies, such a lovely plant. Totally non-addictive. Um, didn't seem to work for me, and then somebody said, you're taking too much. Just take five mm-hmm. drops. And, oh, it really worked far better when I took a tiny okay. amount. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Green blessing. Good night. And I want to welcome Pat Alva Craker. After a 35-year career in the IT industry, Pat was faced with a series of challenges that altered her life forever. First, she was let go from her major technology company. Then her husband of 22 years suddenly passed away. Their shared business closed her door, and then she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow! At this point, Pat stepped into her journey to elation, and along the way, she realized she could inspire other women to own their power and create a successful business and lifestyle. Pat Alva Craker is the author of the number one bestseller, Catherine's Quest, One Woman's Journey to Elation. Today, well, not today, but before today, she traveled the country and the world. (laughs) Today, she's doing it virtually. 
assisting women business owners and entrepreneurs alike to overcome obstacles, stay heart-centered, scale their business with ease and grace, and affirm their right to financial freedom while creating a life they love. Welcome to the show, Pat. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been listening to the show, and it is so fascinating. I've learned a lot from everybody's questions today. I know. People are so generous in sharing themselves with us. Mm-hmm. So, um, wow, you know, uh, and one of the themes tonight has been, if you don't bring a little hardship to your life, life will bring it to you, huh? Yes. <laughs> it's part of our sacred path. It is part of the sacred path, and life really just loaded your plate up there. Mm-hmm. How did you get through all of that? You were let go from your job, yes, your I husband did. died, mm-hmm. your business closed its doors, and you were diagnosed with cancer. Ow! Yeah, it's a lot to take in, isn't it? Like, so what did you do? The, Share the with us how, how you got from there yeah. to elation. <laughs> I would say that it's about self-leadership. It's learning how to lead myself through these challenges in a way that aligned with who I am and being true to myself. And I learned a lot through the process, especially when I learned that I had cancer. I learned that I put myself on the bottom of the list. When I had cancer, I was burning the candles on both ends, giving to the family, the community, the job. And life has a way of telling us, time out. And so I was given a time out and had to step away and uh, really evaluate what was happening in my life, what was working, what wasn't working, and what I wanted to do differently. And in the process, Susan, I took responsibility for healing myself. I'm I'm a believer uh, of natural cures and and curing, uh, curing ourselves and being able to do that, and I took responsibility for that. And went down a journey of full responsibility. I did the traditional medicine, chemo and radiation, and I learned a lot about aromatherapy and actually became a Reiki therapist and polarity therapist in the process. And so I really dug into my sacred path and I asked myself, there's a reason that this happened. This is not an accident. I'm supposed to learn something from this significant emotional event. Mm-hmm. And yes, and and it's important, you know, as we go through life and these events happen to us, whatever event happens in your life is that there's a reason and there's a lesson. So I really went within and practiced meditation and journaling and started to look for practices that allowed me to connect with myself and align my myself with uh, with spirit and asking for guidance. Now, I'm going to guess that this was not something you've been doing all along. I was not doing these type of practices uh, until until I uh, discovered that I had cancer, and it really um, put me in a position to lead myself in a way that I had never, that I've never had before, where I was really combining mind, body, and soul into living a, a prosperous life and a happy life. And I was really void of 
part of myself uh, prior to uh, this illness. And I was, uh, I was brought back to center and came to realize that, you know, in order to be happy, in order to create the life that I want, I have to bring all of me to the table. I have to connect within me and let, let my higher self and my spirit be what guides me, not what society thinks I should do or the church things I should do, or the community things I should do. It's that be totally aligned with what my spirit says I should do. I have a wonderful book written by a woman who is diagnosed with breast cancer, and the title of her book is, How Come I Never Noticed You Before? (laughs) I I can really connect with that title. Right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Really been on my life kind of thing, like, wow, you know, there you were, you know, being all the things you thought you were supposed to be, but you were never being me. Exactly. And so you, you allowed cancer to um, unsettle you enough to say, wow, I'm not this collection of things that that satisfies other people, and to take the risk that every child takes to try things out and maybe find out that some of those things you don't like. Exactly. At least that's what I see is when you're talking about, you know, leading yourself mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that, yes, you know, we want to have a sense of our direction, but um, even more so we want to give ourselves permission to try something and say, oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. It is so true. Uh, and and uh, and not being afraid if we if in the process we don't like it or we fail and that's okay. I bet you felt like that when you started to write your book. <laughs> oh my God, Susan! I've been writing that book for six years. Wow! It took me six years to write it, and that book changed so many times. And there were times, Susan, where I actually felt like a failure. And I said, you know what, I'm not, I can't do this anymore. If this is too frustrating, I'm just going to put the book on the shelf and I'll come back to it later or maybe never. And uh, it was just really, what I learned is that a, writing a book is a journey of self-discovery more than anything else. And it's one of the biggest lessons that I learned is that every book has its own timing and you cannot force a book to be born outside of its timing. And so a lot of the frustration that I had in writing the book is that I was pushing the string because I wanted it to be done when I wanted it to be done instead of allowing the book to be born on its own time and allowing it to develop into the beautiful story that it is today. Mm. It's a big lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> One of my friends said, I thought you were writing a book. You're playing solitaire. I said, that's writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It is. Oh, my God. It is. You, so have to, you, know, you have to be willing to just mm-hmm. blank your mind mm-hmm. and let it come through. Yes. Yes. That's a really good word, is willing. I think uh, being willing in any aspect of life is very, uh, is very important. 
is willing to receive, willing to give, willing to make mistakes, willing mm. to be true to yourself, mm. willing to say no, willing to say yes. You know, one of my little maxims is I have never found anybody who's gotten upset with me if they ask me to do something and I say no, and then I call them back and say, I changed my mind, I will do it. <laughs> but plenty like of people that. have gotten mad at me if I've said yes and then called them and said, I changed my mind, I don't want to do it. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting awareness. Yeah. Well, hmm. Put your note chops together. Say no, you can always change your mind and say yes, and they'll be happy. Exactly, exactly. And as women, it... We need to. We need to. I believe that we need to learn how to say no more often, so that we can build in self care for ourselves in the process. We're we not are typically talk, the we're last. We're not talking about not caring about others. We're talking about really understanding that mm-hmm. caring has to come from a full well, and that you have you are responsible for filling that well, because mm-hmm. we've all seen women who give and give and give and give. And then they say, yeah. wow, how come nobody's giving to me? <laughs> One would expect that if you gave and gave, people would give to you. But it, unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. You feel yourself. You love mm-hmm. yourself. You take care of yourself. Right? Yeah. And wow. Then the quality of your care for others really takes a big jump. No. Yeah. Very true. And then we also have to be willing to receive. So maybe people may be trying to give, and we're we're not open to receiving. It can be a difficult thing. Yes. Yes, it can be. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. what is the one thing that your book has done for readers that you really didn't foresee? that they are totally at choice in everything that they do. That they're always at choice is one of the biggest things that, that uh, women have come back and said, wow, I, I kind of took that for granted. I, I felt, I thought I was giving myself choices, but you taught me that I'm really always at choice and I have a choice every day to be happy. I think that's right. Being a choice mm. is mm. the biggest one. Being a choice. That's beautifully, beautifully put. Mm-hmm. So important. What other it key messages are there in your book that you want to share with us? It's important to live your life through intention. Not only do we have a choice of what we want to happen in our day and, and how we move forward in our day, but it's, we also have the choice of setting an intention of how we want our day to unfold, how we want to feel, how we want to interact with people, what, the desired outcome of a specific event. We are at a point in our lives where we can always set that intention, intention of the outcome and really bringing in the feelings 
of how you want to feel and how the people that are you interacting with want to feel. So that you are actually asking the universe, this is what I want, or something better. <laughs> and then allow yourself to detach. Just like this conversation you and I are having, my intention was that you and I have a lot of fun, that when we make a, that we make a big impact on your listeners on how to live an empowered life and that you and I are actually, that we connect and that we really enjoy this time together. That was my intention for us today. Well, I am certainly enjoying my time with you, and I'm <laughs> pretty sure that everybody else is getting some enjoyment out of this as well. One of the things that yeah. I was really impressed about is you talk about helping people scale their business. And this has mm-hmm. always been something that's very important to me. I was very mm-hmm. influenced by um, Schumacher. And small is beautiful. And mm-hmm. so I have always upheld it as a goal that I did not want to get so big that the business yes. consumed me. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, my family is very important to me. And I, wa- and I always wanted to have part of my success being that it that success allows me quality time with my family. And I see so many entrepreneurs where the opposite of that happens. And it can mm-hmm. happen very easily. It can. When you're not mindful of the way you grow your business, or you're not mindful of the reason of the reason that you're you know, you have a business to begin with and being re- totally focused on the why of your business. When you remember why you got into business and what, and the, uh, not only why, but how you wanted that business to unfold, when you, you, you can stay focused and do exactly what you're doing. It's when we lose that level of clarity and we lose our why that the business then becomes to be all-consuming. And then we get really frustrated because it, we don't have the time and the financial freedom that we really want. So sometimes scaling your business yeah, we really thought we were that, going to get as entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right. exactly. Yeah. Wait, I'll I run my own business and then I'll have all the free time in the world. Sorry, mm-hmm. it does not work that way. Yeah, this and it really comes down to staying really focused on uh, what it what it is that you really want to accomplish and and having the discipline and consistency to just stay within really the boundaries. Because so many times in, when I coach women, it's they let the business get away from them because they didn't set, they didn't set any boundaries within their, their business. And if they did, they didn't honor them. Well, they couldn't. Like, I, you know, my daughter was very thrilled to have her own restaurant until the day when the cook didn't show up and the waitress didn't show up and the, the dishwasher <laughs> didn't show up. Yeah, that's painful. And then she has to do oh all of it. Mm-hmm. She has to do the front of the house, the back of the house, all, and you know, she's like, ah, you know. And then, yeah. you know, it's at that point, it's pretty hard not to do too much. So, I know. So what talking yeah. about? You really have to look ahead and say, you know, it, am I gonna? How am I gonna get through those days when suddenly the sky falls? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I love that. That's a very important point is being uh, being proactive and thinking of all the possible risks in the business and then having a mitigation plan should one of those risks, you know, come to life, like somebody doesn't show up to work or they walk away, they steal from you or whatever the case may be is that you have a plan. I was thinking about that today. I was reading an article about the two people who created Juul, the vaping thing that became so popular with high school students. And they are now mm. being sued by sure. everybody. Yeah. They're being yeah. sued by parents. They're being sued by the government. They're being sued by towns. They're like being sued every which way from Sunday. And you think, wow, I wonder if I wonder if they have a backup plan for this. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, I, that's I unfortunate mean, that's happened. Not that I not that I think that it, vaping is a good thing or that they did a good thing, uh, but. You know, I have some compassion for fellow human beings who are mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, in some hot water as entrepreneurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from them on uh, what to do and what not to do because it's all a learning experience. So, Well, I think the best thing that they probably did was they sold their, their previous company for something like $13 billion. So whatever whatever they need to do, they'll be able to afford it. Mm. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> but they did, they did. Before they before they did Jewel, they had another company. Oh, so uh, that was pretty yeah. interesting. So yeah, so uh, there's a, yeah. a local woman who runs the art magazine here, and she talks mm-hmm. about you know come up and they say to her, oh Cornelia, you know I've quit my job and I'm going to be an artist, and she says no 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 don't do that do not make art your job because mm. you will to hate it as much as you hated your job. And I think about Melissa, who does this so beautifully. Melissa really wants to paint for herself. When she paints for herself, I would not want to live with with some of the paintings that she produces, but she wants to paint those paintings, and that's wonderful. And she Mm -hmm. also has the ability to paint really cute, pretty things. So she spends Mm. three months out of the year painting really cute, pretty things, which go on to be turned into... You know, umbrellas and mugs. Oh, I mean, they, they yeah. why, you know, they're wildly successful commercially. And the other nine months of the year, she paints the stuff she wants to paint. Oh, I love that. She still stays in the joy of that of her passion by doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. She says, okay, you know, people are not going to buy what I want to paint, but I want to paint it. I'll sell them what they want to buy. I'll take their mm-hmm. money, and I'll produce what mm-hmm. they want. But two-thirds of the year, it's for me. No, oh, that's lovely. That's really lovely. I don't so think you're saying, clear. and I'm certainly not saying either, hey, it has to be you, you, you every single day all the way. No. Mm-hmm. No. We have to, you know, we have to say, hey, how am I going to do this? How is this mm-hmm. going to work? Exactly. And uh, and having the level of clarity of mm-hmm. what it is you really want to accomplish. Because that level of clarity is something that uh, I work with in my coaching business a lot. That's one of the first phases that we get into is what exactly, you know, do you want out of your business? What is it, What exactly does it mean for you to scale your business? What would it mean to have the time and financial meaning? What does that really mean for you? And then let's make that work. Wow. Oh, those are wonderful questions. Mm-hmm. So 
importance to think about those things. Yes, the clarity. Now you yourself have to keep learning and growing. What are your favorite ways to do that? Mm. I um, I'm an avid reader. Oh, I do read. I do read quite a bit, and I am a mind, body, and soul type of gal. So my reading is is my reading and my learning is on all those three different areas: growing myself spiritually, listening to podcasts. You know, I love your podcast. I love what you your 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 background and and your passion is very much like my background and my pa- and my passion. So just learning natural healing. Uh, growing myself spiritually. So it's really listening to podcasts, uh, reading books, and really a lot of the time just taking walks with, with, uh, in, in nature and just being just aware of what may be being told to me, you know, being silent and open to receiving things that I should be paying attention to, that I should be implementing, that I should be embracing is also a way of learning. Going within and asking, so what? What is my best step here? Tell me what. What do I need to learn to make this work? So I connect within myself. I connect with books. I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, and and attend conferences. So I'm just a lear, A learner is one of my top five talents. So I'm always researching and learning and trying things out and making mistakes in the business. I really miss the conferences. I know I do too. I miss being around people and being talking in the lobby and you know just sitting around, you know, having a cup of coffee with new women. Yeah, I, I really miss that too. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I wonder if it will ever come back. You know, that's a good question. Uh, I know that because I'm also a speaker. Many of the conferences that I would speak at have literally just gone virtual, period, yes, because period. of the that's savings. That's period. right. In the story. And the story. it's like, right. and some yes, of them are just we like, save more money. Some of them are, have folded. Yes. You know, there were, yeah. there were a couple of herbal conferences where the founder had stepped down for some reason, and then suddenly the new people were smashed with COVID, and they're just, you know, not going to be able to pick it up. Yeah. It's just too yeah. difficult to to do that double transition for them. So it's like, wow, you know. Hey, and I enjoy the online stuff, but it's not the same. It's not the same. I, just the energy is the same. I mean, you can, you have to be very mindful of bringing that same level of energy on an online conference. And uh, it takes technique to, to be able to do that. But, you know, have, getting a hug from somebody the handshake, you know, sitting next to them, just the collective energy, it's, you know, I love that. I just love that. Yes, it's, I find at the conferences that often it's a little snatch of something that Mm. I get. James Duke (laughs) walked past me leading people on a weed walk. I was talking about a plant. He heard a snatch of my conversation, went home and researched it and came and said, this plant does that because of this compound. Mm. Oh, fascinating. See? So to me, there was all that, you know, that wonderful, mm-hmm. 
you know, mixing and stirring and those little <laughs> snatches and bits that, that we would feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. That, uh, yeah. that, it's, it's, that I don't know how to replicate virtually. So let's yeah. see, you know, what we're going to make because I know that we all miss it. I've been talking to people and said, yes. Um, how are we going to you know, create that? You know, my reaction to not being able to travel last year was to this year to say, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Take that. You wouldn't let me travel last year. Well, I'm not traveling this year. Nah, 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 nah. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have That's had good. such a good time. I'm so glad that that was one of your goals, was to have a good time. Yes, for I sure. graduated from my work in developing human capacities with Gene Houston. We had to make a, uh, a commitment, and my commitment was... Uh, insofar as possible, to uh, raise the in- endorphin levels of people. And so mm. I think we have needed mm-hmm. uh, on that. And we've I think come so, to the yeah. end of our time together. And I want to mm-hmm. ask you, what do you want to leave everyone who's mm-hmm. listening to you? And what do you want to leave in their heart and their mind? Uh, what I want to leave is that it's very important to learn how to lead yourself because when you learn how to lead yourself, you're able to handle any challenge that comes your way. So grow that capacity to lead yourself through intention, through being present, through being true to yourself and to know that you're always at choice. Be true to yourself and remember you are always at choice. Yes. Thank you. Now, tell people how they can get your book and how they can get in touch with you. Wonderful. My website is MajesticCoachingGroup.com. That's MajesticCoachingGroup.com. There's a tab called that, Catherine's Quest. And Everyone that's listening can download Chapter 1 for free. And you're going to fall in love with the book. And you can come back to the website and buy the book along with the accompanying journal and affirmation cards. And I also am available for conversations on how to better lead yourself. And I will offer to your audience a 30-minute conversation on how to best lead yourself as part of this show. And that can be done through the website as well. Wow. That's so generous. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. So go to your website, and you can get a free session of learning how to lead yourself. Yes, and download the first chapter of the book, and you can come back and buy the the book. Yeah. I'm sorry? Which you will adore? Which you will adore. (laughs) Will adore, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's an amazing story. That's great. All right. So um, I guess it's time to say goodbye. For tonight, I envision that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. 
And I want to thank you for all the beautiful shimmery threads that you've added tonight, all of the strong threads and the vibrating threads of self-love and getting out there and setting intentions, just so wonderful and vibrant. And Sarah Ellen, thank you so much for being such a great moderator. You're really getting this so fast and getting together. Gosh, I'm really just thrilled. And uh, we miss you, Rebecca. Um, hope you're doing well. And green blessings, everybody. Herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine yes. of the people, by the people, and for the people. Good night. Talk to you next week. Good night.